have a very special guest who is, I think, probably our number one fan. We're joined by Declan. So, Declan, thanks for being on. Thank you for having me. Of course. I think Declan's maybe the only person who has listened to every episode or almost every episode. Even Catherine. Okay, Catherine has two. So we've had, now we've had our two. We have a competitor. (laughs) Exactly. So we have two two biggest fans, which we appreciate the support always, Declan, and that you listen to it. So yeah, thanks for being on. So we can just jump into it with you introducing yourself. What year are you? What's your major? How did you, how did we all three get in contact? We can jump into that. For sure. So for those of you out there, my name is Declan Hellerman. I'm a third year student on the ASU campus. I'm studying secondary education, kind of following up a Spanish track. So I take Spanish classes on the campus. And yeah, I mean, I, I come from Chicago originally. So I'm out of stater. Um, I know these two uh, through band because for the first two years of college, I was in the Sun Devil Marching Band. I had a great time, a lot of great memories. Unfortunately, I'm no longer doing it due to um, other commitments. My schoolwork's getting heavier, but you know, I still, I still love and appreciate the band and you know all the hard work they do. So I am supporting them in spirit. Yes, yeah. Declan plays trombone. He didn't say, but. Cool. Very different instrument from us. I think I met Declan because he was in Barrett. So I would see him around the Barrett complex and I figured out that he was in band and I gave him a ride once or twice. Um, and then I also know some people in your fraternity. So there's, there's multiple connections. Mm-hmm. I think for me, it was just primarily band. I definitely remember seeing you on the band field. And then I think we just connected over social media. Like we've talked over Instagram a couple times, maybe Snapchat. But yeah, it's a good community here at ASU. Everyone knows everyone somehow. True. Very true. Are you still in Barrett, Declan? Yes, I am. I'm uh, continuing to do it. Um, I'm going to be likely starting my honors thesis next semester. Okay. So you're going to get in it a, a semester early. Yeah. That's smart. Getting it, getting it done sooner rather than later is definitely good because you don't have the pressure. And then if you need to postpone it, you can. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Acacia and I are on the clock. Our timer is going, but as we've talked about in past episodes, we're on the right track. So hopefully it keeps going that way. Yes. Declan is a big Spanish guy and just did a whole summer in Spain and San Sebastian, which I have not been to that part of Spain. Looks beautiful. It's really close to where my host sisters from Ecuador study because they study at the Universidad de Navarro. So they're like in Pamplona, which is kind of close by. Um, but yeah, Declan, how was that? Like any highlights? I saw you did like all the things. Uh, I mean, where do I start? You know, it was, it was amazing. I mean, getting to kind of go up to that part of Spain, which is like you said, it's a part, it's a, it's a, yeah, if you don't know that part, it's, it's not a very well known part of Spain because like everyone thinks about Madrid and Barcelona, but it's really awesome. It's like, it's part of the Basque country and the culture is a little different than Madrid or Barcelona. So it's very Spanish, very Basque. And the people there are super kind. It's like they're a little reserved, but for the most part, they're very, they're very respectful. And everyone's happy. I mean, they, everywhere I went, people were having a good time. And, you know, it was, I spent two months there from the end of May to the end of July. And I was able to take some Spanish classes. On, I also took a course about how to surf. 
which was really cool. Um, my host family lived literally along the beach. Oh, that's cool. So you were at a host family, not in dorms or anything. Um, I was in an apartment that a host family lived in, and they had a room that I stayed in. Oh, okay. Very nice. That's, I feel like host family is such a cool experience, and it, it makes sure that you're actually speaking Spanish, which is good. So what made you want to study abroad? Was it our podcast, or is that just wishful <laughs> thinking? Because I you know always we want to. Yeah. So what were you always thinking yeah. of it, or tell us why? Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, obviously, like listening to you guys, like there was a there's a little like small little bit of influence there, but um, yeah, for, for the most part, I mean, I've always loved learning Spanish. It's a great language and it's an amazing culture. And my ambition with my major is to be a Spanish teacher and, and hopefully down the road a Spanish professor. And but I got to get real good at the language before that. So you know, that was kind of. That was the biggest factor for me. I was able to kind of look at myself and say, hey, I want to get better at the language. No better way to do that than to live in somewhere where it's the main language. And then I looked on the ASU study abroad. I saw it was one of the first ones that popped up. And my mom is really good at Spanish. She's lived in Colombia. She's lived in Madrid and Barcelona. So she's, she's really good. And so with her help, we kind of like scoped out what program would be for me. And we decided that San Sebastián would be really cool because it dives in very culturally. It's, it's better than like going somewhere where it's kind of touristy and you don't fully get immersed. Um, and yeah, yeah, I was going to ask, like, why Spain over other countries? Because usually this is something I've said multiple times is I say don't go to Spain because there are so many people that speak English. So I feel like if you go to anywhere in Latin America, you're way more immersed just because the English education isn't as good. And so people are less likely to know English. Um, but it sounds like you still got a decent amount of immersion. So what was your kind of thought process in choosing Spain? I know you said the cultural thing. but like, you know, Yeah, I mean, you know. With with Spain as a whole, like Spain, Spain Spanish is for me. It's going to be important to kind of learn um, all the types of Spanish. And I and I actually took a linguistics uh, course for Spanish linguistics, uh, Spanish four hundred, the semester prior. So that one really kind of opened my eyes to how Spanish and other languages differ in whether or not it's dialects or accents or anything like that, and. You know, the Spanish that I had learned in school, it was good. It was useful, but it wasn't exactly the Spanish that, like, I'm going to need to know for my career. And Spain Spanish is very different. And it also, but it's also kind of like the most, I, I don't know, it's the most prevalent that I've learned. And being in Spain would have helped me with my, you know, progression in learning the language. And, you know, I, I again, I enjoy the experience. It was amazing got a lot better and I feel more confident about my speaking abilities now because of those little linguistic lessons that I have learned. That's great. I, I took Spanish 400 to the semester before you. So I took it last fall um, and you took it in the spring, but I thought that was a great class. I really enjoyed it. Um, the sense you say that Spain Spanish is like the most prevalent, I think like when things are more formal, it definitely is. But you think about the population of Spain and then the population of other countries in Central and South America, there's technically more speakers of not Spain Spanish. So that that is interesting. But I get the point of it. it's more like classic Spanish, like original Spanish. Um, 
a lot of the decisions, especially linguistically for the Spanish-speaking world, do take place in Spain. So I understand that for sure. I still am preferential to South American Spanish for sure. But of course, I have reason to have bias. Um, But I was going to ask you, have you been to a Spanish-speaking country besides Spain before? Like, have you been to Mexico, have you been to South Central or South America, or was Spain your first Spanish-speaking country? So I've been to Mexico um, on a cruise, and we went to Cozumel, so I can't exactly say I got fully immersed in, yeah. in <laughs> um, and that was, I, I must have been like nine or ten when that happened. Um, but also around that time as well, I went to Costa Rica. Okay. And that, and that one, I, that was a little more immersive. I learned, I learned a bit of Spanish and I was starting to learn the hola, como estas. I was starting to learn the basics. Yeah. And that trip actually, um, that's, a, that's, it's good that you asked that because, um, that trip actually kind of played a role into why I chose being an education major Oh, because, um, we'll start time. Basically one of the activities that we were able to do at the hotel, cause our hotel had like a ton of activities that you could do throughout the week. There was an activity on a Wednesday that was offered, but then canceled, which was a trip to a local elementary school. However, our tour guide was like, hey, I'll sneak you in. And so he took us on his little Jeep through the through the forest. And he took us to this very tiny building. And it was the Centro Educativo Veracruz. And it's like five, ten minutes outside of San Jose. And so we went there. And it was a very small building. Like the entire school was maybe the size of the ASU classroom in WP Carey, for example. And it was 20 total students, K through eight, two classrooms, two teachers, and one book for every student to share. Wow. And it was, they had very little, but boy, were they the kindest people that we had ever met. Like they were super friendly, super joyful. And they were always like asking, they were like, oh, quieres jugar fútbol conmigo and stuff like that. And <laughs> they, they, I played soccer with them, the little kids. And then the teacher showed my parents around the school. And, you know, I didn't know it at the time because I was like 10 or 11. But I kind of looked back on that and it made me realize that, you know, those kids exhibited a love and a passion for learning that is very uncommon, at least at least in what I've seen. Whereas here in the United States, we have our schools have more resources than we could ever ask for. And sometimes we take it for granted. And so for me, it kind of reinforces that, like, if I, you know, if I can bring that passion back to the students of tomorrow, then I'll have done my job as an educator. That's great. That's so I love sweet. that. that yeah, so, so inspiring. And I love that it, it started all in Costa Rica because that's something I saw as well. I got to interact with some kids just in the local park, never in a a professional setting but even there I they're just so curious and want to learn and there was this day when I was in the park and this little girl came up to me and then she found out I speak English and so we spent the next 20 minutes with her being like how do you say this in English how do you say this in English how do you say this in English like they just want to learn and it's so cute and just like you said if we can all have that sort of passion it will reach new heights Definitely. I had the same thing happen to me in Ecuador. This is just like a thing with Hispanic children, especially. I feel like they're especially curious. The same thing happened to me in Ecuador. I was just on the beach and these two little girls came up to me and were asking me how to say things in English and like where I was from and how old I was. And 
all those things. And it was so cute. I was going to ask you, Declan, this is no one else is going to care about this, but I care. What did you do your final project on for Spanish 400? For Spanish 400. Yeah. So for Spanish 400, it was, it was like the paper about the particular like linguistic thing. Oh, you guys did a paper. It wasn't a presentation. Uh, well, we did do a presentation, um, but it was like a presentation and an essay as well. Oh, so like they, a, cut, like they a, cut the paper for us, so we just had to do a presentation. <laughs> oh, que suerte. Come yeah. on. Yeah, you should have <laughs> done that for me. But um, yeah, so so yeah, it was like a two-parter. Like the presentation came first and then submitted the paper. Mm-hmm. But the the project as a whole, I did it on the linguistic variation of the second person pronoun vos. Oh, okay. Very interesting. And, yeah. and, it, and I focus particularly on its use in Chile because Chile Spanish already is a little bit different from the it's other, from Spanish. So strange. It's so strange. Chile just really, they do their own thing down there. Completely es different. Poco, es un poco curiosa, no? And <laughs> uh, yeah. And so I kind of talked about how it originated because like we, we all know tu and usted, like those yeah. are the more common ones. But vos is a little less known because it originated in Spain in the ancient days. And it was initially used kind of in a formal setting, in a very respectful use. However, I think, I forget which king, but there was a king that didn't like it. And it started, the its use started to get less and less formal and more degrading. And it used, they kind of used it to talk down to people. Oh, interesting. And then... I, funny enough, with Christopher Columbus, it it came to the Americas, and those the uh, the people that came into Americas around that time, they brought that lingu- they brought that linguistic uh, tactic into the countries there, and there are some countries that use it pretty frequently. Some countries don't use it at all, but Chile is interesting because there was a scholar, and I don't exactly remember his name. There was a scholar that wrote a big paper just ripping on the use of vos. He's like, oh, vos es criminal, es, es ofensivo, es un insulto. And That's so interesting then, because so many, like, a lot of countries, it's just used, like, casually. It's not an insult. It's just the way people talk to each other. And in Argentina, I think it's even, like, respectful. Exactly. And, and what's funny is, like, the country right next door to it, it's, it's, used, as, it's used for its respectful uh first respectful tone but in chile because of that paper it then sparked a socio-cultural divide in chile because chile has been through some stuff in history um but nowadays the elites and the rich and like the higher up they use their tuteo they use two yeah yeah whereas the the poor the farmers the the kind of like the hoodlum kids or whatever Mm-hmm. they they use both and so that's and it's and it's almost kind of like crystal clear in like in daily life because there will be signs up from protesters that say like oh uh both both uh both get i get and it's and the conjugation for both is so strange too especially in chile yeah yeah so it was i never heard of it being used derogatorily like just only just as like you know something they do in argentina and then colombia occasionally but just like another way to say you Mm -hmm. yeah but it has yeah 
Go, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but it sounds like you have a lot of interest in dialects from different countries and everything. So is the goal to be an educator like Fulbright abroad, or would you rather like stay here in the States and teach Spanish in that way? Or do you want to teach English in a Spanish speaking country? So I've kind of, so I'm open to all those options. Yeah, I don't know what I'll start with. I'll likely start teaching here because I'll go through student teaching and then a school will hire me here. And, and as we all know, Arizona is in is sorely in need of educators. And especially um, Spanish teachers, there's a shortage. Mm-hmm. So I'll likely start there. And as far as where my career goes from there, I can't tell just yet. But I have kind of opened my mind to, you know, the possibility of doing like uh, ESL in another mm-hmm. country. And there was actually a program that the, uh, so the program I went with for the trip, which uh, for the trip to Spain, which is University Studies Abroad Consortium or USAC, they, the people who were in Spain, they told us about this program um, called NALCAP. Which yeah, I, I was about to of, ask you if you know about NALCAP. Yeah, NALCAP, sorry. yeah. So yeah, they told us about NALCAP and it is definitely something I have considered. You know, I I can't do it now because I think I need to be college graduated before I do You want to give us a quick explanation of what that is? Because I, I don't, I haven't heard of that. Sure. So, um, Acacia, you can correct me if I'm not fully correct. But uh, now, Cap, I think it stands for North American Language and Cultural Assistant Program. Yeah. And so, basically, it is a program where you serve almost like a TA to English teachers in Spain. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's paid for by the government, so it's an initiative by the U.S. government and Spanish government as partnership to help bring Americans to help teach English so that their English education is improved. And then French has a similar program, which is TAPIF. So if for some reason I can't get a job after graduation, that is my plan is to do one of there those you go. things. Yeah, the um, reason I asked was because I know once you study abroad or you live in a different country, you kind of get a bug and you want to do it again, or at least that's how I felt. Unfortunately, I didn't have room in my schedule or with the pre-med, it's kind of different. But I was wondering if that's something you felt or if now you want to live abroad or anything like that. But it sounds like you are considering it. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And, you know, and they talked a lot to they talked a lot to us about reverse cultural shock upon returning to the U.S. And I don't think I felt that fully, but I definitely miss it in Spain. And, you know, kind of living there for two months, going through the highs and lows of that experience, like it really opened my eyes to what it means to truly be a world citizen. And for me, I kind of got the sense that like, you know, hey, this is this is amazing. Like, who knows if I'll ever, you know, this I might never be able to do this again. And so um, I I truly enjoyed it. And I would most certainly do it again if I if the opportunity arose. It makes me so happy when people study abroad and like have that experience. And let me tell you, it gets easier every time, like in terms of the culture shock and like the adjustment and everything. And obviously each experience is different, but it does get easier to kind of like switch back and forth. And if you did it once, you can absolutely do it again. Um, yeah, I was going to say, because you, if you're interested in Chile, have you read A Long Petal of the Sea by Isabel Allende? I have not read that by her, but I know I know the, I know yeah. Allende. So she wrote a book all about the like Chilean revolution and like a family like living during that period and all of her books are so good I've read like I think half of them uh in English I haven't read them in Spanish so you could read in English or Spanish um but 
that one's about Chile specifically, if you're interested, um, I highly recommend. And all of her books, all of her books are very, very good. I did a presentation on her. I can't remember if it was all the way back in high school or maybe one of the first classes I took at ASU, but she's very popular and has a lot of great books. Her writing is great. Her mm-hmm. I really, I love her writing. Any fun plans for this coming semester? I know the school year just started. You said your classwork's looking a little heavy, but do you have anything fun going on? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, the schoolwork is obviously it is a little heavier load, but it's nothing that's, you know, impossible to manage. And, you know, I think I'm going to have a lot more like opportunities to go out and do stuff because like, you know, I have, I have more internship hours, um, cause I have to observe at Castile high school in Queen Creek. Mm-hmm. And so I'll, I'll have to do that. But yeah, I mean, you know, being being an upperclassman in college now, and I can't believe I'm saying that. Um, time flies. Um, but yeah, I mean, being an upperclassman and just kind of the the amount the friends I have, the networks I have, and the opportunities that lie in front of me, I'll definitely be able to do a lot more cool stuff. And yeah, I mean, you know, to outside of that too, I have like a few concerts I'm going to with some friends, like um, in about a week. Yeah, a week from tomorrow, I'm seeing Ian Dior with a friend. Oh, God. And then in November, I'm seeing Doja Cat with some other friends. I'm so, so jealous. I want to see Doja Cat so bad, but I'm poor. France <laughs> I want to, Doja Cat literally, like, I'm on Cano's. And also, like, you know, Odeka, like, every week, my song of the week is the Doja Cat song. <laughs> like, no, exactly, I'm, yeah. I want to go so bad. I want to go so bad. I was going to ask you... Vodka. I was just gonna say I'm in the car all the time so I'm listening to the radio you need to start calling the radio people and being like give me one of your free tickets or you need to just be listening to the radio so you can win one seriously hey, when they give them out when they give them out hey you're onto something there I, I might have I to do know. that mm-hmm. yeah I you know what I think I tried that once I think I actually called in once I didn't get a ticket but I did try it once I was I them one. in the car. Sorry, I just text them because they have code words, but I still haven't won anything and I've been doing it for a couple months. So it might take a while. If you get two tickets of Monica, you know you're taking me. So of course. Me and my sister. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> okay third attempt here Becca, go. i was gonna ask you so you want to stay in arizona to teach then you don't want to go back to chicago or another state um i don't i mean i don't have a true preference like i think i will more than likely start in arizona because i'll get my letter of rec from an arizona school that i students teach at yeah and either that school or another one will reach out to me about hey you want to want to work so I'll likely start in Arizona. I mean, I would like to go back. I think it would be pretty cool. And it would definitely be like a full circle moment if I went and taught back at my old high school. Um, but it all, again, it all kind of depends where the journey takes me. Like, because if I get a good opportunity in another city, I wouldn't mind doing that. And yeah, I mean, even if it, ta- if it takes me abroad, I'll, I'll definitely uh, take advantage of that. You know, whether, I, whether it's through NowCap or something else, and yeah, it's, it's a journey that I don't have the full picture yet, but I feel like that's going to come together and I'm looking yeah. forward to that. You have time. I was just asking, especially since teachers in Arizona aren't paid very well. So like, I know one of my friends that was a music ed degree, he went and did his student teaching in Boston so that he could get a job in Boston where they pay a lot better. Um, so, so I was wondering if you had considered something like that. 
Yeah. And, and you know, as, as, as pay goes, like, you know, if I, if I get paid good elsewhere, it's going to be hard to say no. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just difficult because it's like, I do want to be able to make a living for myself. Um, but I also, you know, I need to kind of like compromise that with like my true purpose of teaching, because one of the things they taught us heavy in freshman year is like, you're if you're in this for if you're in this job for the money one why would you do that and yeah, two exactly. <laughs> and, and two then then you don't belong in a classroom if you're in it for the money yeah and so it's like I'm balancing kind of like the true motive with like my needs to sustain a living for myself obviously for sure yeah yeah I wanted to ask so you mentioned that your mom has been in a couple countries and lived abroad what's her background and it must be nice to have that support and so hearing all the stories from your mom like you knew you wanted to study abroad from the beginning or just tell us more about your mom's background and how that played a role in what you did yeah for sure so you know my mom like my mom's always been a go-getter she always wants to travel and explore and she was for she so she's also uh grew up in chicagoland area so she grew up kind of like like she like she lived with my grandparents so they, they have 20 minutes from me so um the high school she went to had a program that she applied to on a whim that was to Colombia. So she went to Colombia when she was like 16, 17. Mm. And so it was like, for her, it was kind of like a complete change. Cause like a vacation for them was maybe a trip up to Wisconsin. Sure. And so going to Colombia was a big change, but it was awesome. She loved it. She stayed with host family as like I did. She still keeps in touch with members of that host family to this day. That's one so of whom, sweet. one of whom lives in Madrid. And when I got to Spain, I spent a few days in Madrid to do a little program tour. So when I got there, before everyone else, um, that friend of my mom's, who she she took a bus to the city and showed me around Madrid before I met the other friends of the program. That's amazing. I had a similar thing in France. That's awesome. Yeah. I was going to ask, what are you going to do your thesis on? If you're already thinking about starting a next semester, what's the current idea? What's the working idea? So this is uh, definitely, I, it will likely need to be more specific than this, but uh, an idea that I've kind of like always taken an interest in is kind of like the impacts of teaching filtered history on students and kind of their mindsets. Because it's like, if you think about it, we probably learned in school, like, hey, Columbus sailed the ocean blue and he found America. First off, he didn't find America. It was already inhabited. Yeah. Second, he was kind of a bad, he was a pretty bad dude in real life. Like he killed and looted and did unspeakable things to many indigenous people. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of inaccuracies and a lot of kind of, especially Eurocentric vision within history. And, you know, obviously you're not going to tell that to a preschooler. You're not going to be like, yeah, he was a horrible guy. You're not going to say that to like a five-year-old, but you also shouldn't teach older kids that he was all this good guy when he, when he wasn't. Yeah. I, I think that narrative specifically, obviously that's changing, but that applies to many, many situations and stories and everything. So that's super interesting. That's going to be, that's going to be a fun topic. I feel. A lot of stuff uh, I mean, yeah. 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 It's, it's going to be, I, I, I don't, it, it does seem broad. Like, talking about it so i don't know how i'm going to get it to be as specific as it needs to be but 
like I'll, I'll likely figure that out as time goes. Yeah, but. when you get when you get a committee together, your directors will help you narrow it down. And I think as you start doing research, that helps you narrow it down too. So it'll happen. I started super broad, got down to super narrow, and that was all thanks to my director. So definitely they they help a lot. We had a super Spanish subject heavy episode. We will be doing a Spanish episode with Declan in the future because we still need our second Spanish episode. We've only done one so exactly. far. So yes. we really need to also to keep Avantika sharp because, you know, she I has need my practice. You know yeah. me. <laughs> I spoke Spanish for the first time today in a long time. I had to do my OPI exam for my master's because there's a language requirement. And so if you don't want to take classes, the only way to get out of it is to take the exam and so I had to do that today and they asked me some wacky questions they were really it was very bizarre they're really checking my vocab and everything but it it went fine and it was interesting but I miss speaking Spanish because I listened I consume the most Spanish media of anything um but I definitely I miss I miss speaking it because even in France I I got to speak it a little bit but not maybe as much as I would have liked to so yeah always, always good to speak it So we end every episode with our song of the week. So if we have anything we want to recommend to our listeners, now's the time. You guys have anything in mind? I need to go look. I like had one in mind and then it left my mind. I think I had one though. Declan, do you have one off the top of your head? So like, is it like just um, like something we're feeling or is it like... uh... Yeah, a song that you've had on repeat lately. Oh, I got one. So this is like a... This is an old Maroon Five song, um, kind of back to their it's it's back to their semi songs about Jane years. Um, it's called Wake Up Call. It is oh yeah, such a jam. it's such I a love jam. that one. I recently got into that as well. I think I heard it on the radio, and I was like, "What is that song?" And so I searched up the lyrics. It's so good. I love it. It's it's such a jam, and it's so underrated too. So definitely give that a listen. Bump it in your ox. Do whatever. It's it's a great song. I yeah, think I, I can remember that one off the top of my head, but I'm sure I'd recognize it if I heard it. Yeah. For my song, it's very iconic. So I think we talked about the Barbie movie on the podcast. If we yes. haven't, it's a very big thing. Everyone's heard of it. Have you seen so it yet? I, did I still see- need to see it. I still need to Declan, see it. Declan, you're, you're failing. You need to go see it I, exactly. I, I, my friends tell me that every day. He has an excuse. <laughs> no, he's been back. He's been back since the I've end of July. Back. <laughs> I, but I need, I need to make it a Barbenheimer though. I, it needs to it needs to be the complete Barbenheimer experience. Mm-hmm. You and, to and I and hey, I need to get a Ken outfit. You know, yeah, I, I need, duh. Yeah, you I, need to, I need to, I need to I need to exude the Kennergy. You know, yes. right. And so, speaking of Ken, the song I was gonna choose was "I'm Just Ken." Oh no, iconic. I don't think I guess I had one in mind, but I will also do one off Barbie soundtrack because I love it. And it's the Charlie XCX one. I think it's like Freedom Rider. I don't know. I need to go look what it's called. This is Charlie XCX one. Let me look. We'll put it in the playlist. Speed Drive. Speed Drive. It's just it's bumping. It's such it's a fun one. It's super high energy. So the whole album is very good though. And there's like a couple songs that actually weren't in the movie or they were so briefly in the movie. Um, but yeah, it was a good time. Declan, did you see our the Alto Sax TikTok? We did a high Barbie. It was um, so I didn't I didn't see that one yet. I'm gonna I'm gonna check it Don't out. Don't catch up on our TikToks, please. Because <laughs> <laughs> we did a we did a high Barbie one that was really good and Avant was in it. So yes, special appearance. <laughs> yes. Nice. 
Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It was nice chatting about you and all your trips and future plans. And we will see you soon for our Spanish episode. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's great. It's great to finally be on after being a being a diehard fan uh, <laughs> for two years um, since the beginning. Exact, day once, you know how it is. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Well, we appreciate you absolutely. Okay, with that, we will leave it here and talk to you guys next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to Staccato. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave us some stars and a review, telling us what you think.